You're listening in the heated agreement on Dash Sports, presented by LawTerrain.com. Go over to LawTerrain using the special code DASH, D-A-S-H, for 10% off on all their formal and casual watches. You can go check it out at Law-Terrain.com. They've got everything you need. They've got stainless, they've got leather, they've got formal, they've got casual. Go check it out. Use the discount code DASH. We're working for tips and tips alone. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Heated Agreement. We have a packed show for you today. Today, we have a special guest over from the BigSpur.com. That's the 24-7 South Carolina page. We have Mr. Hale McGronahan joining us. We're going to pick his brain about the game between the Aggies and the Gamecocks. And we're also going to go into a little bit of recruiting. And with that, take it away, boys. State and uh, began covering South Carolina for secountry.com, which, again, no longer a thing, and started working for 24-7 uh, three years ago. And, yeah, just been been on board here at the Big Spur since then. And uh, kind of unique about my past is, is I was able to uh, to cover Clemson and, and Dabo Sweeney's first full year as head coach and uh, see him through 2015 that season when they played Alabama in the national championship and lost and started working down here spring of 16 Will Muschamps for the start of Will Muschamps first year and been here ever since so kind of unique that way that I've gotten to uh, experience both sides of this this rivalry all the way over here in this part of the country if, if you're allowed to which, which is a better college town oh very different types um Columbia is the state capital of South Carolina. Right. I don't know if you guys remember that from like seventh grade or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it's a, it's a lot different. Columbia is more metro. Um, like I said, it's in the middle part of the state. So it's it's a little little bit of a hub, so to speak, whereas Clemson's in the northwest, uh, kind of near the foothills of, of some mountains uh, and a little, lot more secluded. Uh, the, I think some South Carolina fans – say about Clemson is that it's a cow town and you know there's not a lot there and, and there's some some truths to that uh, but it's uh, it's definitely a college town smaller type of college town whereas Columbia is more of a, an urban type of college town right. but uh, both have their their own uh, upsides if you're looking to be 20 years old and have a good time right well I've, I've been to both so okay as as a as a visitor I think I enjoy Columbia more, but I think if I were going to school, I would choose Clemson as the town I want to go to, but that's just me. I mean, as Aggies from College Station, we definitely understand the whole Cowtown uh, <laughs> uh, dish, uh, diss on the school, you know. Uh, we have our friends in Austin that seem to think we're a Cowtown, so. <laughs> yeah, I guess you guys probably have just like a bigger version of this Carolina Clemson thing. A little on. bit. Yeah, I, I think there's yeah. a lot of similarities, actually. I mean, Hell, you would probably know best about it just because you've covered both sides of Clemson and South Carolina. Yeah, and it, it, it's kind of kind of interesting for me at least is is last year when when Carolina was out there, Man, I, uh, I was it was my first trip just ever to the state of Texas and uh, flying in and out of Houston and going out to College Station and riding through some of the the land <laughs> that you have to do to get there. It is kind of the same feel. It's kind of along the lines of like. To your point, Andrew, being like Clemson, but also like Virginia Tech. I don't know if you guys have ever been up mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Uh, Blacksburg, Virginia, where it's, it's kind of the same type of feel, but, you know, different part of the country, obviously. Yeah, yeah definitely. What did you think of College Station? 
I thought it was cool, man. I, I didn't spend a lot of time hanging out there, but uh, I did sort of walk around the stadium a little bit and, and got to get a feel of the tailgate scene, which uh, seems different than, than it is uh, in this part of the country, at least, or probably a lot of places with, with it's just kind of what, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, it, like just sort of like a free run, like you just yeah. basically post up wherever the hell you want and, mm -hmm. and yep. you're there. Yeah, yeah so I thought that was really cool. There's some like very high, big money spots that are reserved, but everything else, I mean, at noon the day before on Friday, a horn goes off and everybody just makes a mad sprint to the spot they want. That's pretty awesome. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, I would I would like to uh, to experience it as, as someone who can kick back and have a good time. Um, yeah, yeah, man. It's fun. So, like my dad, my dad was a sports reporter before he retired, and he covered both Clemson and Carolina too for a little bit. But he went out there when Clemson played in like 2003 or something like that, yeah, 2002, 04 area. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, but he was telling me how how crazy he was sitting in the press box and the, and it swaying uh, <laughs> when when all y'all are jumping around and, and doing all that that wild stuff that you guys do. Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty crazy it, it, it does that a little bit here at, at williams bryce south carolina stadium but uh obviously a little smaller of a stadium uh yeah. and not not quite as high up in the sky as that box is but <laughs> it was definitely cool for me to experience yeah. that yeah that's so, awesome so my brothers and i we went to that 2014 game with the kick of the sec network and uh, ever since then every time we hear sandstorm so everybody knew that it was South Carolina steel that they played and they get crazy for it. But you don't, what you don't hear on television that you hear in the stadium is all the students chanting and fist pumping USC, USC, USC. Yeah. And that's one of those things that like, we look like absolute morons everywhere we go. Cause like, we'll be like at a bar, a club out in public, somebody will play sandstorm. Like, even if it's like, just like 10 of us hanging out and all three of me and my brothers and I will just start breaking it out. Like you as like an inside joke. <laughs> yeah. and we just look like yeah. absolute morons. Yeah. But um, that being said, I wanted to kind of go into it is uh, Williams Bryce is a very, very underrated place to play when it comes to difficulty. And I was wondering the LSU game last week and the difference between that and how they played against Auburn, was that more of a, they're two different teams from Williams Bryce as they are on the road. Or is it more of a they just got out coached they didn't show up? Or what? What was your opinion on the difference in those two games? Yeah, I mean they're they're enough of a veteran team where I don't think it was one of those things where they kind of go away on the road. I mean they, they got a lot of guys who play a lot, so I don't think that's the thing. I think they just got pushed around up front, especially on defense. LSU was able to run the ball pretty much at will and 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 really do whatever they wanted to on offense. Then. Um, and just really set the tone that way. And in South Carolina just got down kind of quickly and, and was never able to really uh, to do much to, to, to get back into the game. The thing about this team is so far, they're not really built to, to come back. Like mm -hmm. if they're down 17 points early to anybody, it's going to be tough for them to come back and win because they're a run first team that they, they've been really good that way. But have struggled to to put anything any kind of consistency together in the passing game. Some of that's on Colin Hill, the quarterback, who who again to to the point of like being an experienced guy. He's he was a graduate transfer, played at Colorado State for four years under Mike Bobo, the offensive coordinator. He's he's been there and done that. He hadn't been like perfect by any means. Uh, he, he's he, he's been more of a game manager. That's sort of the 
I guess a nice way to put it. I mean, he, he struggled at times in the sense that, that he's held onto the ball for too long and not been as decisive as he needs to. And, and when he has been decisive and let it rip, uh, his receivers have, have kind of let him down and, and dropped some passes and some, some critical situations. So, so long-winded answer. I, I, I think they're just, they're, they, they just got outplayed and outcoached against LSU and, and, and they played really well against Auburn. I think it's just as simple as that. So that kind of takes me into the our first question of the night is what's kind of like, you know, on the forums and everything, what is the general consensus on Colin Hill? Like, obviously on the forums, they're going to be a little more irrational if there anything like Aggie boards. Yeah. Um, is there anybody kind of calling for his head and wanting Helensky in, or are they just kind of, it is what it is? Or Well, it's either Helensky or, or Luke Doty, the freshman. Yeah. Uh, he's a big time recruit coming out of Myrtle Beach here in South Carolina. Um, for, for Colin Hill, it's kind of different because I don't know if you guys know that he's he's from South Carolina originally, mm-hmm. from up in Spartanburg, and uh, wasn't a highly recruited guy and, and didn't have a ton of success at Colorado State. Um, so I think there were some people who, who were holding that against him coming into the season, the, mostly the message board type folks. Um, and some of it's, I mean, sort of warranted. I mean, he, his numbers, again, weren't, weren't that great at Colorado State, and you know, you have these these highly recruited quarterbacks that you don't get a lot of at South Carolina, and, and you want to see him play. And Helensky got some some time last year, and wasn't all that great. But you know, there were a lot of factors that went into that, uh, aside from him just not not being you know awesome right off the shoot, which not every freshman quarterback is. Right. Uh, so there's you know the the sector of fans who who are really connected to him and and his story and all the stuff that he's you know experienced and how they've connected that way uh and and then there's luke who's the in-state guy who again was a a highly recruited kid coming out of uh, myrtle beach high school won a state championship at williams bryce stadium his junior year um so so there there are folks who would want to see one guy or the other as opposed to colin hill or just whoever other than colin hill (laughs) i don't think there are a ton of people at this point who are who are like really latched on to Colin Hill because I mean you look at the numbers and they are what they are they're, they're not very good he's right. he's near the bottom of the league in several passing categories so I kind of uh, had a question about that you mentioned Colin Hill holding on to the ball too long do you think that's um kind of the reason that he has so many sacks or is that I mean obviously it's a mixture of things but uh would you attribute it the a massive amount of sacks that he's had so far would that be in your opinion, on the offensive line or him holding onto the ball too long? Uh, he, well, he's definitely accounted for some of those. I, I don't know the number off the top of my head, and I think they've given up like 16, 16 total sacks. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I want to say in the, like an LSU game, for example, that there were like two, maybe three, three of those, and they gave up five, I think, mm-hmm. that, that Muschamp came out and said that, that he was holding onto the ball for too long. And I think there were certainly, um, you know, one or two or three of those at the very least over, over the course of those previous, what, four games where, where that was also the case. Um, but they were also kind of juggling some things on the offensive line to start the season, especially at tackle, just at tackle, trying to figure that out. And uh, I think they've kind of figured that out uh, moving forward. So it'll be interesting to see how they're able to, to block AM's guys on Saturday. So sure. I'm still diving into the film. Obviously, we don't watch South Carolina week in and week out. We try to watch yeah. as much as we can of the SEC. Um, but, you know, just looking at the numbers, that makes a lot of sense. That, because, you know, you don't see a team running the ball as successful as South Carolina is. 
especially with everything going on with Kevin Harris and like, well, I think even him and their other running back are 5.8 a carry or something like that. You don't see very often that a running team like able to be that successful struggle that much with the passing and when protecting the quarterback, I should say. And uh, that, that would make a lot of sense. That was kind of my follow-up question, but I think you answered it. This is uh, Clayton or James. He's the third member of our podcast. He uh, got off of work a little, a little late, but here he is. So, uh, James, did you have a question? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm pulling up my stuff still. Um, I kind of have something else uh, while he's looking. So, yeah, no, I want to. I'm, I'm ready. Uh, well, hold on. <laughs> I don't know if y'all talked about this yet, but I wanted to talk about since you know you you're in in tune with the SEC East, the Florida Missouri brawl. Oh, um, yeah. First, what you thought of it, and were the punishments enough? And should would Mullen have been suspended had the next game not be against Georgia? I mean, against yeah, against Georgia. Man, I'm I'm gonna be honest. I haven't paid that close of attention to it. I've just kind of looked at it uh, here and there sporadically. It's kind of it, you'd be surprised. Maybe it's just a knock on me, and I probably shouldn't be admitting this to you guys. But I don't pay that much of attention to to what's going on outside of. Uh, of South Carolina and who they got coming up like immediately. I mean, I, I, I try to watch games when I can and they were off on Saturday. So I was able to, to catch some of that Florida game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was watching it, but I didn't see it. So I, I was watching it and I didn't see it actually happen because I, I think I went inside and got a beer or something. And <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize there was a brawl until I started scrolling Twitter a little later and, and saw it. And I just kind of looked the other way. So I don't have an opinion about whether he, he should, uh, to get fined more money or whatever. I, I do think Dan Mullen's kind of a goofball and, and seeing him <laughs> <laughs> run out of the tunnel and like try to hype people up and, and all that mess. Like, like and then dude, the Darth Vader deal on the post game. Yeah. And, and I can imagine you guys, he's kind of pissed you guys off after coming back from out there and, and saying some of the stuff that he did. I, I don't know how much directly he, he said that, that would piss a, an AM, AM fan off, but uh, he's just, he, He's such a goofball. That's, all the, that's all so I was talking to Jordy about this earlier today. I think he has some sort of little man complex where he keeps trying to be Urban Meyer, but he knows he's not. And he <laughs> keeps trying to prove all of these things, but he's it's it's just not there. It's not there for him. I, I don't he just he cries a lot. He right, cries and, and whines all ever the time. since he's gotten to Florida. My like hate for him has risen a lot more. When he was at Mississippi State good coach don't really care about him one way or another since he's gotten to florida i can't stand that damn guy <laughs> i just i i think goober is the best way to put it and i think more and more with these antics he's starting to hold up more and more to the cousin eddie vibe that he gives off with his physical traits Shitter was full right. aspects of his job all right woody would you have real quick so, real quick, back to the quarterbacks. When I walked out of the uh, A&M South Carolina game last year, I was impressed by Holinsky. Just he seemed like a a dog, you know. And I I talk a lot about like that kind of dog mentality. And he seemed like a dude that wasn't ready yet. I mean, he was a true freshman. But I mean, I remember I pay attention to recruiting quite a bit. He was a very highly regarded four star, and. Um, I was very impressed by Holinsky, and I was pretty shocked when they went with Colin Hill. Uh, do you think Holinsky can get that job back his junior year, or will this be uh, 
uh, Luke, I don't remember his last name. Cody. Got, yeah, or will that be his job going in? What do you think? Man, I don't know. It's To your point, though, like, Helensky got knocked around a pretty good pretty good amount last year. And, yeah. and by the time that AM game rolled around, I mean, he'd gotten his ass kicked for yeah. several games. Um, so, and that's kind of to the point of what I was saying earlier is you had that going for him and he got a little banged up. The offensive coordinator who got fired was – you know, doing God knows what when, when he was calling plays. <laughs> At that point, by the AM game, guys, the rec- their receivers were so beat up and, like, uh, they were just a shell of themselves and, and didn't really stand a chance. And, and and I think that's part of the reason why a lot of people are, are so drawn to, to Helensky, aside from, from the off-the-field stuff, is, is what they watched him fight through last year and, and just keep picking himself up and keep trying his, his heart mm-hmm. out. But – it just didn't really quite go all that well for him for the most part. Um, but I don't know. I mean, with, with Luke Doty, that, that's the thing. He, he's a really talented guy, and, and there's some some rumors that have been floating around that he actually might um, – if they had to, to play someone other than Colin Hill, like if Colin Hill got hurt or whatever, that it might actually be, be Luke Doty who, who's mm. the guy. Um, I, I don't know how true that is. I, I haven't had any, like, confirmation or anything like that. Uh, but – but I think it's one of those things that uh, that Luke has has the ability to to use his legs, yeah. and, and that's such a big part of any offense. Well, um, oh, it was kind of built on the the keys of the game. But I was going to talk about the O line. I know y'all talked about the sacks they given up, um, but also I wanted to talk about the difference between their pass blocking and run blocking because their run blocking. Um, has been really good first in yards before contact in SEC. Where's the disconnect, like the talent and rush defense, uh, rush blocking and run uh, and pass blocking? Uh, I, I was saying a second ago that, that they changed up some things that the, the guys who played tackle, like they, they had a, uh, a right tackle kind of by committee approach to start the season where they're trying to figure out who's going to be the guy. And they ended up moving Dylan Wanham, who was the left tackle back to right tackle where he played his first two years. Uh, and, and moved a guy named Jason Turntine, a big old Juco transfer uh, who, who's started at left tackle the last two games, I think it is. Um, so I think they're just, they've just, for whatever reason, they've been a little bit better as, as run blockers. And uh, I think some of the sack issues are uh, kind of on the quarterback, Colin Hill not getting rid of the ball as quick as he should sometimes. Maybe some of the receivers not being able to get open. I know said earlier there, there were two two out of the five sacks I think it was against LSU were were on Hill uh, and that was what Will Muschamp said and, and I think there was one other that was a coverage sack and you know the other two were just you know straight up offensive linemen getting beat so I think some of the the uh, the numbers are, are a little skewed in the sense that you know obviously the offensive line is going to be the first to blame for any sack but but they're not solely responsible for all like 15 or 16 whatever it is they've given up so far this year Sure. I had one more question that wasn't on there, if that's all right. Yeah, go for it. Um, so I'm big into recruiting, and I always like to ask these kinds of questions. Um, I'm sure being 24-7, you follow recruiting pretty in, pretty heavily, pretty intensely. Um, what would be one guy who kind of uh, diamond in the rough, going to outperform his ranking according to uh, his recruiting rankings right now that's in the recruiting class for 2021. Somebody we should keep an eye on. As far as like who's committed to South Carolina? Yeah, yeah. yeah out of the 16 commits. 
Oh, okay. Uh, well, the first name that I keep coming back to is John Darius Morgan. He's an offensive lineman. I, I think he might be the second lowest committed guy. I'm pulling up my page right now. Yeah, he's, he's third lowest in the class. He's from Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm telling you guys, <laughs> if y'all want to just like laugh at some dude just destroying high school defense, <laughs> watch John, John Darius Morgan. Watch his highlights. He's put up highlights from every game his senior season. They're, they've played like 10 weeks worth of football, high school football in the state of Alabama. So there's a lot of him to watch. And so he, like a blindside deal? No, he. I mean, it was just one of those one of those things. He, he kind of got caught underneath the radar a little bit because of the COVID stuff and not being able to really capitalize on his recruiting yeah. uh, exposure that he, he just – has, hasn't been rated all that highly. And, and he's one of those guys that uh, I think is probably going to climb up a little bit uh, when, when the, you know, rankings are finalized at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, definitely, definitely a guy. I mean, and he's going to play guard. So not a lot of people get excited about guards right. and they typically don't get ranked all that high either, even though this guy's classified as a tackle. Um, I, I think that's one guy that, that for sure is going to, easily outplay where he's at right now and another guy just to throw another name out there for you guys um who, who's a guy that i don't i don't know how good he is for sure because you know he just he i don't i, I can't even i don't think he had a profile before he, south carolina even offered him but his name's Rodarius thomas another guy from alabama uh is a receiver who, who's had a really productive senior year rated really low and uh he's he's just kind of late bloomer in South Carolina really likes him and, and he's had a you know a really good senior year catching passes in Alabama. So those are awesome. two names I'll throw at you guys. I mean John Darius Morgan, he's if he's putting up that tape, I mean he's in Birmingham, right? I'm sure he's playing big boy high school football. He's not yeah he's not playing, you know, the equivalent of in Texas two A football, you know. I mean if he's yeah, in I Birmingham think, I think they're like four A and I mean they play big schools. It's just one of those things guys like it's it, it amazes me every year, and even like in a nod COVID year, when when there's opportunities for guys to fly under the radar, even in this time and age, when when recruiting is like it is, like there are somehow guys that can just all of a sudden you look up and you're like, how the hell is this guy not a four star? And yeah, why doesn't he have more offers? Yep, so, just one of those weird things. I mean, Kevin Kevin Harris is is an example of that like that. I mean, he he's from uh, down near Savannah, Georgia. And he was super productive. I mean, he plays at a big high school and he plays against people and everybody sees him. But I mean, he, he just had offers from Southern Conference schools, which are like Furman and Wofford. I don't know if you guys have heard of them. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, and like the service academies. And, and mm -hmm. you know, South Carolina was his only power five offer. Now he's second in the SEC in rushing. So <laughs> one of those things. Um, did y'all talk about the warm, the temperature of Muschamp seat? No, we didn't. I was just going to ask, like, what is the feel among the fan base of, like, what he needs to do this year, or if he's safe, or if he's, you know, like, how they feel about him right now? Yeah, there aren't a lot of people who are happy with him, <laughs> to put it lightly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's kind of what the outside he's, feels like. Yeah, it, it was one of those things that was kind of kind of funny. Like, going into last year, there was some talk of, from people about him being on the hot seat before the start of last year, and he really wasn't at all. I mean, they won nine games in 2017. In 2018, they went seven and six, and they got killed in their bowl game by Virginia. And, you know, people were kind of perturbed by that. But 
the overall feel of the program was was way different. And losing your senior quarterback the first game of the season sucks for anybody. I mean, that Jake mm-hmm. Bentley, who, who's now at Utah, was kind of a a, a guy who, who people either loved or hated, and, and he his numbers sort of speak for themselves. And now that he's gone, I think some people are starting to realize that he's better than than they probably thought he was at the time. And and but you know, four and eight and doesn't really seem like there are many signs of life and aside from beating George on the road last year than beating Auburn. But when you do that, it's like a one step forward, two step back type of thing. And that's really just pissed a lot of people off. And, and it never yeah. helps when your, your rival, which is, you know, two hours away, Clemson is playing in the college football playoff, winning national championships and Dabo yeah. is just up there, you know, pissing you off with each Saturday yeah. that goes by. So does he, is there a, like, a target win for him this year, or is he pretty much going to last through COVID with the whole crazy season, or what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've answered that question a lot, and I don't know. That's the answer is with – especially with the COVID mm-hmm. stuff and, and the budget shortfalls that, that they're going to be dealing with, like pretty much everybody else. It, it makes it a tougher tougher situation to be able – for anybody, really, even the people who are making this, the mm-hmm. decisions, for them to be able to say, like, yeah, we can justify – and a 15, 16 million dollar buyout. That may not seem like a lot of money right. to you guys out there in college station, but uh, <laughs> 15, 16 million dollars for, for a, a coach's buyout is pretty ridiculous. And they got yeah. all the assistance on multi year contracts and some, so the coordinators making a million dollars. So that money adds up. And when you're already looking at, I, I hate to say a number because I don't want to misrepresent it, but they're, they're going to be short millions of dollars, a lot, many millions of dollars as a result of everything here in 2020 that it's, it's really tough to say. Right. Yeah. But I guess with that, let's go ahead and dive into the game. I, I mean, we'll, we'll get you in and out. I don't want to keep you up too late. I know you're an hour ahead of us, but uh, I guess looking at the game this week, is there, you know, anything like when you look at A&M, like what's your first kind of overlook or thoughts looking at A&M so far this season, looking into the game. Obviously, it's Monday. You haven't done a, too much diving yeah. in this week. but I think the biggest thing for me, uh, and I said earlier, I don't pay that much of attention to – Right. A ton of attention to what's going on – what else is going on in the league. But, I mean, Kellen Mond's been around enough to where I'm pretty familiar with his sort of up-and-down nature uh, over the years and – one week looking good, then the next week you're like, who the hell is this guy? Why is he starting quarterback? Uh, it, it seems to me, um, just looking at his stats, that, that he's playing his best ball right now, and, and I think that's probably the biggest thing uh, that, that just sort of jumps out on the surface. But I thought it was kind of crazy when I was looking through some of the uh, conference rankings for you know team stats and stuff or, or what they're doing uh, on the offensive line and not giving up hardly any sacks. And, uh, and then Spiller, of course, I've seen his name a ton um, on, on that rushing list when, when I'm seeing where Kevin Harris and Deshaun Fenwick are in relation to other guys. So uh, it seems to me that, that Jimbo's got his offense rolling, and, and I'm certainly familiar with, with him and his philosophy, uh, of course, covering him in the last few years uh, in this game, but also, like I was saying earlier, having covered Clemson and Florida State. Yeah. So it seems to me like he's he's got his guy at quarterback finally, even though he's sort of always been his guy and has a good running game and, and, an, and an offensive line that's, that's blocking and protecting. Yeah, I think he's always 
you know, it's the same guy at quarterback, but it's almost like it's not the same guy just because of the way the O-line's playing this year. Like Kellen, the stats of Kellen under pressure and Kellen with a clean pocket are two completely different quarterbacks more than, you know, you normally see with the quarterback. Um, so it may be the same guy, but it definitely feels like a different guy. And, and I was – we had a guy from Arkansas on last week, and I was texting him today, or I guess that was yesterday, about, you know, kind of recapping the game between us and the Pigs. And I told him, I said, it's really crazy. Coming into the season, if you would have asked me what the strengths and weaknesses of this team are, I would have told you the weakness and biggest question mark is the offensive line for the Aggies. And thus far, it's probably been the, the MVP of the season is the offensive line. And it, it just kind of is crazy. I mean, we've given up two sacks and through five games. And I think we gave up two sacks in a game, like over probably, probably seven out of our 12, 13 games last year, I would imagine something crazy like that, um, which I think is just the biggest difference. And it kind of goes, it's, it's kind of part of uh, what I want to do is get your keys to the game on what you think it's going to take for each team to win um, or where you think the biggest matchup is that'll decide the game. For me, it's, Kevin Harris and Shaw Smith versus Anaya Smith and Isaiah Spiller. I think whichever of those two duos have the better day will probably spell out a win for whoever pulls that out. And I think a lot of that's going to have to do with the offensive line play, but I don't know what your thoughts are on the keys to the game. Yeah, I, I'm definitely of the thought, especially after seeing how LSU just pushed them around, being able to run the ball at will is, is South Carolina can, can be better against the run. And um, I think it's pretty clear that <laughs> A&M's attack is pretty formidable. And I, I just purely looking at the numbers, because I haven't watched a ton of A&M like in depth. I've just, just looked at plays here and there uh, when I've been able to flip around on TV. Uh, I, I would think that, that A&M is probably going to be able to mirror some of that um, just based, again, based on the numbers. Um, and some of the, the issues South Carolina's had. Uh, Carolina's defensive line is not not very big. They, they play with some undersized guys at tackle and even at end, too, which it's kind of perplexing to some of the, the fans where they've got some higher-rated guys, like, coming out of high school, some, like, four- and five-star guys who are, like, literally bigger dudes than, than some of the, the guys they have playing more snaps. Um, and, and they're, you know, gotten pushed around a little bit and I think that's concerning for people that yeah. it's just continued to happen within these last few weeks I mean they beat Auburn but Auburn ran the ball pretty well against them and Auburn's going to do that to most people but uh, there's still some concerns there and, and South Carolina has some depth issues at linebacker I mean they can barely dress out enough guys to put out a two deep on on Saturdays yeah. because of the the injuries they've been dealing with there so I, I think that's for, for South Carolina, you're circling that. It's like, well, if we can't stop the run, it's going to be a long night. So mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. So is that, is that what you think it'll take for them to win and stop in the run or because I, I, I honestly, a defense has a lot of holes in it. So yeah. my, every week looking at it, I'm always thinking is what is A&M's offense matchup look like offensive matchup look like, are they going to be able to put up 31 points because it's, Every week in and out, I mean, obviously outside of Vandy, it looks like a and going to give up 20 to 25 points, sometimes more. Are they going to have a good enough matchup to where they can put up 30-plus points? And um, do, you think, yeah. do you think South Carolina can put up upper 20s 
mid to lower thirties on A and M. I do, yeah. Um, as long as they can keep running the ball like they have been, it's, it's tough to count them out of any game. I mean, they, right. they've been. I mean, Kevin Harris is is doing is is he's got more touchdowns this season through five games than any other individual running back that South Carolina's had since Will Muschamp's been here. He's got eight. Yeah. Previous record was six. He's got like five hundred. 30 yards or whatever. And uh, I think the single season high for a guy under Muschamp is like 764. So he could break that in like two games. Yeah. Or this, <laughs> this weekend, if something crazy happened. Now, yeah. I, I don't know how confident you guys are in, in A&M's front, but uh, I just, I think, but also think back to last year, and obviously there are two different teams. Uh, but just how that game, how, how this game played out in the second half last year and, and A&M just kind of broke it open in the fourth quarter and, and had knocked off, reeled off some big runs. Um, my concern for South Carolina is, is is not so much getting to that point, but it just just being a steady like A and M, just moving the ball up the field, just throughout the game, and and really just hoarding it <laughs> throughout the day. Right. And, and you know, all of a sudden we're looking at two hundred yards for for A and M on the ground, and it's midway through the fourth quarter. Yeah, and. I was a lot more confident in our ability to uh, stop the run uh, before the Arkansas game. They they found something on running on the edges on us. Um, I think you're going to have some tough sledding inside. We have some really, uh, really strong, big defensive tackles. But Arkansas found a lot of running room on the edges against us. And that kind of – that was the first time we'd seen a team try to attack us that way. And it worked. So I think that's um, definitely going to be what uh, South Carolina tries to do this week is get them on the edge and see if they can break them. Um, because I, I don't think uh, they'll have a ton. I think they'll be able to run the ball. Well, I just don't think they'll be able to have a ton of success running it up the middle. I think uh, Arkansas kind of showed us how to beat A&M on the ground last week. That's interesting. Well, I, I, I don't have any kind of stats to back it up. Just I'm going off based of just watching the five games, you know, a couple times each is I, I seem to recall South Carolina being able to, to do that, get on the edge uh, against some people and have some success that way in the running game. I mean, they'll, Mike Bobo, he, he's going to stay committed to, try, to trying to work the middle. Um, so don't be surprised if they're running into a crowd of people and y'all are like, okay, keep doing this shit. <laughs> but all of a sudden, you know, they pop one on the edge for 25 and you're like, oh, okay, well, there it is. There it is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. So um, that, that's, that's interesting. That's, that, that's something I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on now. Yeah. Arkansas also had a lot of success running with Franks. Like I don't know the exact number cause he has 90, he had 91 rushing yards and they also had four sacks. So that goes off those away from those 91. I don't know. So exactly what he had on actual uh, design yeah. runs, but it just felt like he was killing us with, with those. And, Yep. I know Colin Hill has like four rushing touchdowns, but he's not a very um, prolific runner, right? If I'm <laughs> well, that's the thing. So he's got three torn ACLs, but he can <laughs> run pretty well, like especially for a guy who has three three ACL surgeries in his past. Like he yeah. he moves around surprisingly well, but definitely not a dual threat guy. And and it, I think at least two or three, maybe three, uh, were just like sneaks. You know, one yeah. one yard push the pile type scores, but uh, I don't know if, if they're coming off the bye week. So uh, maybe they're going to try to incorporate Luke Doty some more. Um, he, he's taken a couple of snaps in a wildcat type role. Um, so maybe going off what 
what uh, Arkansas was able to do with Franks, uh, I, I would think Mike Bobo has noticed that and said, well, we've got a guy who can, who can do some stuff like that. Maybe it's time yeah. to, uh, to give him a, an extended look that way. So, yeah. I mean, the read option killed us all night. So, yeah. Well, to your point about getting on the edge and, and beating them that way, that, that'd be one way to do it. Yeah. Do you, um, I guess before we let you go, do you, you willing to go on record and give us a score prediction for the week? Uh, not quite yet, but I, I'm thinking I'm going to predict uh, an A&M win. Yeah. South Carolina's never beaten them. Um, but it's 2020. Who knows what can happen this year, guys? Right? <laughs> yeah. Crazy year. Right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I definitely leaning towards A&M for what I was saying earlier. I, I, I think South Carolina might have some issues uh, yeah. getting off the field on defense. All righty. Do uh, you have any questions for us or anything you want to ask us or? Yeah. So tell me, so I'm, I'm a little bit more curious about A&M's defense. Cause I, I mean, offense is easy stuff to pay attention to. I right. know Mond and Spiller, but you guys are talking, you feel pretty good so up in the middle of their defense. Our linebackers are really good at filling the hole and playing the run game. We have been somewhat exposed in the past game at linebacker. Um, I think it's Woody is not, or maybe it's James is really harsh on our safety, Leon Neal, and his play in the past couple of weeks. Well, mm-hmm. so so Leon O'Neal is a guy that talks a lot. He talks a lot. He's on Twitter. You're gonna hate him by the end of the week. All he does <laughs> is talk will. shit. Um, and so he has like four or five personal fouls already this year from either late hits or unsportsmanlike conduct, just stuff like that. Yeah. And he's been beat multiple times for touchdowns in the passing game. He's a very good run stopper, but he struggles to cover anyone. And it baffles me how he stays on the field with the depth we have at, with young safeties. Well, that's um, interesting. So, Sorry to cut you off nope. on, on the, the trash-talking side of it. Shai Smith yep. loves – loves to, I guess you, you, know, you know where I was going with that. That, that yeah. dude will talk some shit. So yes. That'll be a, one of those, as, as people like to say, games within the game. Yes. <laughs> it will be fun to watch. Um, yeah. I mean, Leon hasn't had hasn't had a snap where he wasn't talking to somebody. I'm pretty sure the whole year. I think the biggest <laughs> problem A and M's defense has is we struggle to create a pass rush with four down linemen. So, Mike Elko, the defensive coordinator, draws up blitzes. Mm-hmm. When that happens, we're very susceptible to getting beat deep, and a lot of the times we don't get home on the blitz. Mm-hmm. So, um, Elko likes to blitz, but our safeties have struggled keeping the ball in front of them all year long interesting shy smith yeah, and, and then and then we have a, a senior corner on one side that is we know what he is he's a liability and then we have a freshman a true freshman or yeah five star true freshman true freshman on the other <laughs> side that um has looked good this year but he's still a freshman he makes a couple mistakes every now and then but, he's yeah. getting better every week so the, yeah. the single coverage is um you know, when we have to run, when we're running man, can can be our downfall. And I think Florida showed that. But that's also Florida and Kyle Trask. Yeah, he's pretty good. Dan Mullen, <laughs> for all his goofiness, can call some plays. And design oh, yeah. And, stuff. yeah. And, and, Mac Jones, and Mac Jones tore up. Oh, my God. He's Mac Jones one, didn't but, miss a yeah. deep ball all damn day. Fucking killed us. Well, Colin Hill hadn't been very good on the deep balls. He, like I was saying earlier, he he's – very indecisive and for whatever reason he's had some opportunities had a couple against florida i was like dude just let it go it'll be okay (laughs) yeah i saw like his his like average depth of target was like one of the lowest in the sec um this year like just not pushing the ball downfield 
Yeah, and that was one of the concerns for South Carolina coming into the season is the receivers and not having a lot of depth there. And, and you know, if they do figure it out, are any of them going to be able to be uh, vertical threats? And they kind of found something with, with the tight end, Kevion Mullins, who, who got hurt last week in the LSU game. Um, but there have been several several plays where he's, you know, streaking down a sideline or up a seam or whatever, breaking towards the corner. And it's just like, is Colin Hill, does, how does Colin Hill not see this? Or why is he not throwing on the ball? Um, so, you know, maybe he'll cut it loose or somebody else will be cutting it loose on Saturday. Who knows? Yeah. Um, one guy on the defensive line, if you want a name to watch, would be uh, mm-hmm. DeMarvin Leal. He's hit, faced a ton of double teams the last couple games. Um, but – He'll move he, inside and out. He'll move inside and out. Uh, on third downs, he'll play inside as kind of a rush uh, inside guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a five-star out of uh, Judson? It, somewhere in Texas, he was a five-star out San of Antonio. Uh, San Antonio. And um, he's a guy to watch. I would bet that they're going to double-team him throughout the game because we don't really have a second guy that scares you on the defensive line that can get to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, but just somebody to watch. Yeah, cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm. I'm uh, always interested to see the teams that are. You know, it's funny saying it's like a, a team you don't see all the time, but you know they play every year. It's just because they're <laughs> yeah. in Texas. It's like feels like such a a new game every year for me. Right. You know, yeah. Weird. Definitely. All righty then. Um, I, I don't want to keep you too long. We try. We've been trying to shorten the segments to keep it not as long-winded. I uh, really appreciate you hopping on. Um, are you going to the game this weekend? Yeah, I'll be there. I uh, went to the Tennessee game, uh, and this will be my second second and last game of the season since they're capping the number of media people yeah. who can go in. So, what uh, What's the weather supposed to be like? I think it's supposed to be in, like, a high – I was looking at this earlier this evening. I think it's, like, a high of 71 during the day. Oh, I think nice. the low is going to be in like the 50s, so it's going to be perfect really nice. fall weather. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you enjoy the game. Um, don't don't enjoy it too much. Hopefully, it's a little <laughs> L for you. But <laughs> with, with with all that said, we really appreciate you hopping on. We don't want to keep you too long. Thank you. Um, and with that, I, I guess we'll let you get out of here. Y'all got any other close? Oh wait, Woody had one question that he told me on the phone earlier. Oh well. It changed a little bit now that I knew you just started covering him in 2016. But is Marcus Lattimore the greatest running back that never was? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm sure there are a lot of guys out there over the years of football yeah. that, that have been, like, super crazy good and that we didn't, couldn't even see, like, do much in college. Right. Uh, but, yeah, man, it was one of those things, seeing him, his injuries. Yeah, uh, disappointing for a lot of people because he was awesome. I, yeah. I think you guys feel the same way. He's yeah, incredible. I mean, he was we were incredible. Teenagers in Texas, what we weren't even in mi- the SEC yet. Seventeen hundred miles away, another conference. We just yeah. huge, huge fans. Yeah, he's a, he's an awesome guy too. That he was he was a big time player around here for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, all righty. Well, with that, I guess we'll let you get out of here, man. Have a good evening. Have a good rest of the week, and. uh have fun this weekend appreciate it guys enjoyed it thanks thank you thank you